welcome to the Idea Fit Pro Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster. Welcome, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to the Idea Fit Pro Show. I'm your host, Sandy Webster, and today I am very excited for my one to one interview time with my friend and colleague, Pete Holman. Pete is a physical therapist, certified strength and conditioning specialist, and U.S. National Taekwondo champion and team captain who has put his positive impact on all five continents. His passion for health and fitness has launched a successful adjunct career as an inventor. He has produced several products in the fitness industry, most notably the TRX Rip Trainer and the Nautilus Glute Drive. As a biomechanic, core performance, and aging athlete specialist, Pete uses his experience as an elite level athlete and his unique knowledge of the human body to bring out the athlete in everyone. He's a top subject matter expert for IDEA, as well as contributor to IDEA Fitness Journal, Iron Man Magazine, Stack Magazine, and other industry publications. We have a lot to talk about, so let's get right to it. Pete Holman, are you ready to rock this thing? Let's go, idea. (laughs) Well, welcome and thank you so much for taking some time to join me on the pro show today. I would rather be nowhere else than right here with you, Sandy Todd Webster. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, it's crazy to think that the last time we, we did this, we were in person podcasting. Do you remember that at PTI 2020 Personal Trainer Institute in Alexandria? And it was uh, a week before shutdown. Well, you know what? We're going to have to have a little um, reunion tour next year because we're going live come hell or high water. We are. We're going live, baby. Okay. <laughs> so I, you know, like I do with so many of my guests, I wanted to launch into our conversation today by asking you to briefly retrace your path in the industry. And then maybe please, if you could cap off with a description of your business model and the types of clients you serve. Sure. I'm clinically, I'm a physical therapist by trade. Uh, I've got a master's of science degree in physical therapy. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the NSCA and a former U.S. national taekwondo champion and team captain. <laughs> Although that was many moons ago. <laughs> I couldn't fight my way out of a wet paper bag right now at this point, but that's okay. It was there. I experienced it. Um, and then the reason you're talking to me, because in my latter part of my career, I got into product design, innovation, and manufacturing. And I came out with several products. The first one was called the Functional Training Rack. Most people don't even know about that. It was licensed to perform better. My next product was the Ripcore FX, which is now the TRX Rip Trainer, which Mm -hmm. I think some people know about. Which I Um, use all the time. As you should be. It's still such a great rotational training device, isn't it? It's it's great for that. It's great for warding drills. Um, I use it for all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and just if you're into fascial training and spiral lines. I mean, it, it's got that in spades. Um, my next product I launched in 2018, I licensed to Nautilus. It's a plate loaded uh, hip thrust machine called the glute drive. And I'm, yeah. I was really proud of that because I was doing hip thrusts in the gym and it was just such a troublesome setup. And I said, there's got to be a better way. Uh, and so I, I kind of created that and licensed that to Nautilus. 
And I've got one launching the first quarter of next year called the Escape Barrel. I've licensed it to Escape Fitness, uh, which some of you may or may not know of. It's a UK-based company, but they have a North American division. Great family-owned business. Uh, and they do some great stuff. And it's it's a combination of a farmer's carry, plate-loaded farmer's carry, and push sled. So it's going to be great for outdoor spaces and turf and uh, and so look for that in, in early next year. And it's called the escape barrel? Yeah, it's it's a farmer's barrel. It's basically, back in the day, I, I grew up on a small farm in Littleton, Colorado, and I was, every day I was using a wheelbarrow. And my grip strength, my hip strength, and my core strength from just hauling manure and road base and concrete and railroad ties every day, like, I think that's why I had success in martial arts uh, because I had that foundation of my core. Hopefully we'll talk about the core a little bit today and how important it is. So you're uh, the classic farm kid that Michelle Delcor always opens his uh, lectures about, right? Who would you put your money on in a wrestling match? The farm kid or the gym trained wrestler, right? Oh, the farm kid, 1000%. Not just because of the physical aptitude, but because there's something mentally. In fact, I just saw a post. I want to say it was Eric Cressy, who's a very prominent um, strength and conditioning coach. He works a lot with professional baseball pitchers, overhead athletes, and he's kind of a shoulder biomechanic specialist. Um, it, by the way, follow Eric Cressy. He's just a wealth of knowledge. But he had a post the other day about, you know, some, one of the parents asking, when should I put my kid in the gym? And he said something like, forget the gym, just have him go do some yard work. And I thought that was a great response. It's like, because not only do you get all the functional movement patterns and the strength, you know, the, the hip hinging and the loading, but you get that mental toughness of, oh my gosh, I've got to mow the yard and clean up this and move the rocks over here. And that's invaluable for kids these days, especially the YouTube, uh, you know, TikTok generation. Yeah, you, you get everything in one package. Um, so tell us about your uh, your business model today and what kind of clients you're serving and what what does your day to day look like? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it sounds very glamorous, like I'm doing all this product design and development. But really, you know, I'm just schlepping. I'm in the trenches just <laughs> like you guys out there. I've got clients every day. I've got physical therapy clients. I've got personal training clients. I'm up in Aspen in a mountain, uh, very athletic mountain town. And so I have a lot of transient clients, but. A lot of clients of mine that are in their 60s, 70s. So these are folks that have, um, you know, been around. They've seen a lot of training. They have a disposable income, and they're trying to stay healthy and fit. Um, and it's interesting when I talk to people about working with different demographics. You know, I, I always err on conservative prehab, rehab. You know, uh, you know high high um, volume, low load exercises, where most of the population is doing you know, high, high load, um, low volume, explosive work, box jumps, Olympic lifts, you know, um, very aggressive exercises. Mm -hmm. And that's great when you're 25 and 35 years old, but at some point you're going to be 55, 65 and 75. And what kind of mechanical loading have you put through your body over the last 30, 40 years? So as a personal trainer, you got to keep this stuff in mind. You know, it's, it's mechanical loading. It's like any physical structure, um, a car engine, the cylinder goes up and down in the in the cylinder wall. The piston, I should say, goes up and down in the cylinder wall. And at some point, after you know eight million cycles, it wears out. Sure, it just happens. So 
Um, I, I have a lot of older clients and I, it's great that I'm a physical therapist because I'm constantly engaged in physical therapy with them. But so that's kind of my day job. And then my side hustle is these product design, innovation, invention. And that's what I'm really passionate about. You know, I love seeing clients. I love serving the community, but I'm really, I want to make a global impact on health and fitness and wellness and vitality. And, you know, by the way, idea, thank you for the platform to help me try to do that. Always, Pete. I mean, so you're you're really kind of a mad scientist at, at heart, an inventor, somebody who likes tinkering, kind of imagining the possibilities of of what the human vehicle can do with um, with equipment. I, I do. I mean, I and I think the you know the creative process, being passionate about anything, is the first and foremost. So you know, it doesn't matter if it's creative or not. If you're passionate about it, you know, follow your bliss, as Joseph Campbell used to always say. Um, but there's something about creating something new and different that's not out there. And so I understand all these YouTubers and, and these Northern California Silicon Valley people and. It's just you want to make a change and you want Elon Musk's, you know, whether you like that guy or not, what he's trying to do is is unprecedented. And and it's I think it's cool. It's exciting. It's a little nerve wracking and risky and adventurous. uh, And that's what gets me. Uh, up in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, it gets the creative juices flowing for sure. It's 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 revolutionary. Wow. So, uh, you know, I think we're all kind of sick of talking about pandemic, but it's such a big part of what we're going through in the here and now. So if if you could paint a picture for us of how it has impact, the shutdown has impacted your business, your clients, um, you know, what percentage of, you know, quote unquote normal are you back to? What, what do things look like for you right now? Yeah, I mean, it certainly impacted my business. And at the start, it was pretty, pretty jaw dropping, like. I mean, so I'm in a mountain town and this is March of last year. Um, the town shut down. When I say shut down, I don't mean like a slow down. I mean, shut down every mm. restaurant in town. Remember, it's a tourist town. The only reason people are here is to ski and to eat fine food and to drink fancy wines and to go dancing in the clubs and all that stuff that they do in Aspen. And so in March, when they um, shut down gyms, they shut down restaurants and they shut down the ski mountain. I mean, it was like tumbleweeds blowing across. <laughs> and, and it, you know, at first I was like, ah, I guess I get a day off for the first time in like 20 years. Uh, you know, and then after a week of that, you're kind of going, yeah, but I still got to pay bills. And I still got <laughs> stuff to do. And prior to that, I'd never entertained doing virtual sessions. I'm, oh. if you've ever seen me present live, like I'm a live guy. I don't, want to do virtual stuff. I'm, I'm, you know, not excited about that at all. But a couple of clients said, Hey, what about doing a virtual session? And I kind of hummed and hawed and, and I ended up doing one. And I said, you know, this is kind of cool. I had an eight o'clock session at seven 58. I was in pajamas. I'm not kidding. And I'm like, Oh, I guess I got to get ready. So I like threw a shirt on and at eight o'clock I'm like, Hey Rose, how are you? Good morning. You know, and I said, you know, walk around your room with the camera. You know, I want to see what you got in there. What kind of, you know, exercise modalities can we, you know, foster up? And she had a chair and a dining room table and a yoga stretching mat and a couple little hand weights. And I said, ooh, this is kind of fun. You know, it put me under the gun. Like, you got to be quick with your programming because normally you like, you know exactly what you're going to do in that session. Um, And so it was kind of spontaneous and fun. And I also like that it really challenged my 
verbal cueing. Because mm. again, I'm very, I do a lot of demonstration, which is hard to do virtually to some extent until you get that set up. You know, I'm talking, this is the first day one, you know, we just had like a flip phone type thing and here we go. Um, but you get really good verbally. I couldn't use any tactile cues and I didn't use a lot of visual cues. So my verbal cueing got really good. <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, it was a, a huge transition for me and it was uh, challenging, but it also opened up a new avenue uh, to myself and uh, trainers from around the world that, hey, we can make money in the comfort of our own home. Right. Or even if we're on vacation with our family and you want to get up and bang out a couple sessions virtually in Barbados, you could do that now, which you couldn't. Two years ago, no client of mine would say, hey, while I'm on vacation, you know, I'm going to work out with you and I'm going to charge you the same rate. They'd be they'd scoff at it. But now it's commonplace. So um, it's, you know, finding opportunity, making a lemonade out of lemons, I guess. No, and I think as a as somebody who is kind of a disruptor yourself, I mean, you think that way. You think about picking apart the model and and reinventing, reimagining it. I mean, that that sort of a, a challenge, I think, would be really juicy for you to to sink your teeth into and and just uh, you know whether it's innovating on the fly with a client and saying, okay, let's see what you have in your house and how you know thinking to yourself, how am I going to use that today. Um, or turning it into a new business model. It seems to have opened a lot of opportunity for for everyone. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what else are you going to do? I mean, yeah. you know, you, you adapt or die. So I don't Correct. know what the options are. It's It's really forced people to change a lot about their business models. And, you know, I, I will say, hands down, any time in my life that I've had um, some uptick in my career, my interpersonal relationships, my athletic ability, it's come through adversity. Mm-hmm. Never have I just, you know, kind of fallen into grace with a million dollar lotto winning lotto ticket or something. It's like, you know, if you want a graduate degree in physical therapy, you better want it because it's expensive. It's time consuming. It's, it's, you know, studying on Friday, Saturday night when all your buddies are out partying and, right. and trying to find dates and stuff. You sacrifice a lot. Same with becoming a black belt in martial arts or any pursuit. It comes with adversity and grind and grit and determination. And that's where all the learning happens. And so it's a weird, it's like God's kind of not evil paradox, but it's like an ironic paradox. Like you don't grow and progress and evolve unless you go through the schmuck. And we've been through some schmuck in the last couple of years here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So one of the bullet points you mentioned um, in our pre sort of interview chatting was that you wanted to talk about um, COVID-19's impact on our business. Well, it it ties into COVID, um, but um, the bullet point you gave me is why having a home gym and a gym membership is a winning formula. Can you please elaborate on that for us? Yeah. So I think what I was trying to say is that, you know, COVID, COVID is really, it's been hard on the industry. It's been hard on people, but it's also opened up a wide opportunity, not just for trainers and, and digital online coaches, but for the world population to understand that you can exercise in the comfort of your own home. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, because I'm in pro- the product space, you know, we all know how well Peloton did last year. They did $1.5 billion in sales mm-hmm. for a bicycle company. 
that's kind of reinvented the wheel. Let's be honest. I mean, it's it's amazing program and the interaction, but there's been spin bikes and there's even been kind of um, programmed spin bikes with screens on them. And so um, the, the home consumer space has just been on fire. And that's a good thing because if your mission is like me, you want to spread worldwide uh, health, wellness, and vitality to individuals all over the place. And having a home gym, there's no better way to do that. Now, as a trainer, it's kind of cool because a lot of times your clients say, oh, I can't make it Friday or I can't, uh, you know, I wanted to work out Saturday, but I've got a conflict. Well, now they all have dumbbells. They all have elastic resistance cords. They have a Peloton. They have stretching. They have all the gear. And so now you can say, well, John, Saturday, no problem. How about we make it up on Sunday? You know, Sunday late afternoon, we can put some football on, you know, and uh, we'll go through some core exercises and we'll get you going. We got to keep on track. Right. This yeah. was our, our our match or our, our goal at the start of our, uh, our relationship. So it's really provided people a chance to not only have a gym membership so you can go still have the social interaction and that energy and that vibe. By the way, nothing is going to ever replace that. Mm -mm. I don't care what the, the analytics say. There's nothing replaces the human experience. We know this last uh, on Monday, there was the first Monday night football game. And I don't know if you got football fans out there, but I'm going to talk football for one second. <laughs> and so it was the Raiders and it was the Baltimore Ravens and they were in um, Las Vegas. And I'm telling you, there was not an empty seat in the house. And this game went into overtime. The Raiders won. It was literally like a playoff atmosphere, not because. Of football, you know, football has always been great. It's the first game of the year. It really is inconsequential, but people have been, you know, so constrained for two years now. And it's, they want that human experience. And so having a gym membership and then having stuff to access at home, I think is a win-win for everybody involved. Yeah, I agree. People are ready to bust out and a hundred percent on gym memberships, not going away. I, I was back in the gym as soon as they opened the, or, you know, sooner, even, you know, under the radar going in just to get my fix. You, so, Cause you wanted that Nautilus glute drive, right? I, I did. And the TRX rip trainer. <laughs> had, well, I, I have a rip trainer at home, so oh, okay. well, that's all good. I was on my back deck using that a lot, you know, going up and down and slashing and, you know, doing all kinds of fun stuff with it. But yeah, I, I really, um, I'm with you a hundred percent on that, but gyms are not going away. Studios are not going away. People want human connection and they want, they want to be in front of their coach. I mean, it's great to have the virtual option, but to be with that person in the same room, I mean, there's nothing like that. That's magical to me. Yeah. Um, and, and it's the same for, you know, the trainers involved. I mean, you, you know, I work out at home and out of the garage and do stuff all the time at the turf field. When I get into a gym, and I see some 75 year old dude crushing it, you know, I'm like, Oh, I better, you know, like I got to get my game up here. <laughs> and so um, it, it's the same for everybody, even for folks that have kind of inherent intuitive motivation and intrinsic, you know, like mojo, we need that same push. Yeah, absolutely. So Pete, in terms of marketing, uh, differentiating yourself has always been important for club and studio owners um, and for pros who specialize in, you know, very niche areas. It's probably even more important in today's competitive landscape. Um, so from your perspective, what are a few things you've learned about better defining who you are and what you deliver? 
Yeah, I mean, well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Like, who are you? <laughs> and literally, who are you? <laughs> how do you define yourself? What What's your specialties? What's your niche? What How are you going to differentiate yourself in today's marketplace? Um, and, you know, and I, you know, I've got my, again, I've got my physical therapy background. I think that really has served me well. Um, but you don't have to be a physical therapist to understand um, diagnose some diagnostics, some to understand assessment, mm-hmm. um, to understand corrective exercise. So what do you do? You go out and you get yourself a NASM corrective exercise specialty, or you go take Greg Cook and Lee Burton's FMS course, which is a you know fairly simple, um, not the corrective exercise part, but understanding how to evaluate, see how people move, and see where their dysfunction lies. It's not that challenging, especially once you get going on it. And then there's a corrective exercise component to that. Well, now all of a sudden, you've got a tremendous skill set over anybody else on the floor that you can assess, you know, kind of diagnose pathology and dysfunction and movement mm-hmm. and correct it. And that gets you thinking about how to be uh, take your game to the next level. By the way, you know, I'm I would love to take a kettlebell course. That's the next thing I want to do. I've been around kettlebells for years and I, I kind of like fake it like I know what I'm doing. I'm not a kid. I, you know, I need to go to Pavel Strong first course and take it. And now I feel confident about kettlebells, TRX, stick mobility, you know, rock tape, percussive massage tools. You know, Theragun now has a course. Like, there's so many ways you can separate yourself, but you got to figure out who you want to be, what you're passionate about, and then differentiate yourself on the floor because that's going to help you retain clients. It's going to help you attract new clients. And it's going to help you charge more for your services every year. Yeah, That's the thing I think we're terrible at, including myself, is that every year inflation rises. I don't mm-hmm. care what happens economically every year. You know, you go to your restaurant, the same restaurant, that steak that was $28 is now $32. Mm-hmm. Well, is your price, has your price risen equivalently to that? And if you're not doing that every year, you're missing the boat. And then all of a sudden five years goes by and you've got to make a price increase and people go, Whoa, I'm not paying another $30 an hour for your session. Had you done five bucks a year, Mm. like you're there, right? Right. So, So, yeah, I want to dig more into that in one second, but I first just want to wrap up the, the whole uh, original point, which was, um, you know, marketing yourself. And Mm. so it sounds like, uh, you know, layering onto your skill set um, is something that benefits you in, in a lot of different ways um, that you already mentioned. But but another one I see is just uh, like the sustainability and just like feeding your own spirit and feeding your own your own intellect and keeping yourself excited and fresh for for what we what we do in this industry. It sounds like an idea fit uh, marketing spot there. <laughs> It, it listen, I go to this is why I'm so excited for next year to be at live events. I go to these live events and listen, I'm a presenter, you know, so I, I'm this is routine for me. I show up, you know, and it's travel, it's planes, trains, automobiles. And I'm kind of like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. You know, it's it's I got to take time off my work schedule. And the second I land in that hotel and I see people buzzing around and like the kinetic energy is on fire. And I say, this is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to learn things. I'm a, even when you present, by the way, you learn because people ask questions. Sure. You have a challenging time um, articulating yourself and you learn new ways to do that. 
And, and so you're in, by the way, you get to go to other people's sessions and you, you finally get a chance to learn on your own. Um, but that energy is, is palpable and yeah, it lights you on fire and it lasts, you know, depending on who you are, it lasts anywhere from three to six months. Well, then guess what? You got to go back to a live event mm-hmm. or take some kind of education or immerse yourself with like-minded people that are on the same trajectory and, and light your 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 hair on fire yeah because what we do is unlike anything else in the world you know we have a greater impact on our clients than their psychotherapist than their doctors than their chiropractors than their physical therapists than their spouses uh, oftentimes you know we see somebody two to three times a week and we can really have impactful change on their on their health wellness and vitality and so yeah get fired up Go to, you know, go back in your gyms, get some live education. And I hope to see it idea 2022 for sure. Yeah. It's our 40th anniversary. It's going to be a party in Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, And going back to something you said, I think it'd be a great title for this episode. Light your hair on fire. (laughs) (laughs) It's visual. That's for sure. Um, But Pete, I wanted to go back to the pricing question now and dig into that a little bit more. It was on your original bulleted list of things you wanted to talk about. And so let's visit that as long as you mentioned it. I mean, how have you approached that um, in in your business? How do you how do you keep up with inflation and pricing and how often do you review your pricing? And then how do you approach it with your clients? Yeah, it's it's so hard for folks that are like me and like you, and I I know the audience out there, we're givers. You know, we thrive on passion for what Mm -hmm. we do Mm -hmm. and we want to serve other people. And so the flip side of that is sales and marketing and financially stabilizing yourself and your family, which is kind of important thing, right? Like we often dismiss that like, oh, it's, it's just money, you know? Well, no, that's how you put your kids through college or whatever it is you're doing, buy a new home. And we're entitled. We are business people. We're entrepreneurs. We're entitled to making a fair wage. And like I said, if you listen and take to heart what I said previously about, we have more impact on people's health, wellness, and vitality than anybody else in their social network, then we deserve a fair a fair rate. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's, topographically dictated Aspen, you're not going to charge in Iowa what you charge in Aspen. But with that being said, the more credentials you have, the more you can raise your rates or you can have a start with a higher base. Mm-hmm. Right. So back again to previous statement about, you know, up your education and up, up your um, skill set so that you can start with a higher rate. And then, you know, once they, once people come to me and maybe they don't have a physical therapy issue, and then three months later, they tweak their back and they they kind of go, oh, I forgot you were a therapist, you know, and I'm doing percussive massage. I'm, I'm rock taping them. Uh, you know, I'm doing I'm doing all the exercises to kind of soft tissue mobilize and get their hips firing. And the next thing you know, they're like back feels great. And they kind of realize why they're paying more money. Uh, but I, here's the single most important thing, Sandy, is that every year. You have to have like an annual newsletter. You could have a semi-annual, you could have a quarterly newsletter, but every year you have a newsletter. So it's not directed to one person individually. You're not targeting anybody out. Mm -hmm. And in the newsletter, you have great fit tips and wellness tips and things of that nature, nutritional tips. But you also talk about your business and, and 
you know, increasing costs of lease fees, um, you know, inflationary rates. And because of that, your fee will now be X, Y, Z. There's no discussion. There's no open to interpretation. It's, you know, I was at, I'm making this up 75 bucks. I'm now $80 an hour. Yeah. Right. And, you know, that's a Starbucks. Like if somebody's going to give you a hard time for that, then you say, bye-bye, I'll find another client. Because if you don't think I'm worth a Starbucks and I give you, I show up with my hair on fire, smiling, <laughs> brimming, brimming from ear to ear uh, about our workout and get, getting you results. If I'm not worth that five bucks, then again, find somebody else that you think is better, you know? And that's, by the way, that's a line of mine. I say, hey, if you can find somebody that's at my, my fare or cheaper, that's as good or if not better than me, please let me know because I'm going to start training with them. Yeah. I mean, I literally say that, but, you know, fair enough. Like if you find somebody better, I want to know who this person is and I might train with them because this, that's a great value. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the, the main key is just every year to do it. And then it's, you know, instead of being 20 bucks, all of a sudden it's five bucks here, seven fifty there, you know, and by the way, three, I'm, I've been doing this for now. I can't believe this over 25 years. Mm. And five years goes by, like, I hate to say it, it goes by fast. And so if you're thinking about raising your rates, stop thinking, I'll fix it for you right now. This year, at the end of the fourth quarter, put out your newsletter and simply raise your rates. I got your back. You can do this. That, that's, that is great, Pete. Thank you for detailing that out. I, I think a lot of listeners will be inspired to do just that. Those mm. are great points. Mm. So switching gears a little bit, um, for those listening who have an interest in developing a pre or post rehab specialty that aligns with the kind of work that, that you do, that, you know, that people in physical therapy and other allied health specialties are, are doing, what steps should they be taking to elevate their education, upskill their business training? Um, and then anything else you can think of that maybe they need to know that may not be taught in coursework? Yeah, that's great. And by the way, I, you, there's a lot of information and knowledge out there. The physical therapists are great, but there's a lot of other highly educated movement specialists that, that understand dysfunction and pathology and rehab medicine. Um, the, the single greatest thing I did in my career is I volunteered. I'm not saying you have to volunteer because you could probably get a position at a physical therapy as a physical, physical therapy aide or assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that at Craig Hospital. I did that at Health South. And what you do is you go in and uh, volunteering was a couple hours a week, but you're talking to therapists, you're seeing their patients, you're seeing their protocols, you're seeing their diagnosis, their evaluation skills. And then you're seeing, most importantly, their treatment protocols. Mm -hmm. And you see how they use all the equipment and all the tools, whether it's a foam roller, stability ball, Chattanooga stabilizer, if you don't know what that is. You got to take my core hidden secrets to core performance course. Um, And you see how they use all this stuff to their advantage. But that's the best thing. I mean, go get a job or take a volunteer position at a physical therapy clinic and you get to talk to rehab specialists. And when you're in that environment, you'll learn more about therapeutic exercise, prehab and rehab than you could ever imagine outside of that. If you don't have the ability to do that, then definitely get in a corrective exercise uh, course because, you know, Anthony Carey, there's a there's a bunch of great names out there that have 
these corrective exercise, um, uh, Dr. Ritchie with NASA, I think he's mm-hmm. created a course or I know they have access to a corrective exercise course. Um, NSCA, I believe has one. And once you understand corrective exercise, you can at least understand how to kind of figure out dysfunction and then therapeutically um, prescribe exercises to help correct that dysfunction. If you understand that, by the way, it is like it is groundbreaking. It's revolutionary because before before I was a physical therapist, I was an ACE certified personal trainer. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I thought I was pretty cool. I'm, I'm like a certified personal trainer. I was, I don't know, 23 years old or something. And <laughs> I was really into fitness and health. And a guy came in once and he said, oh, I tweaked my shoulder over the weekend. What should I do? And I was like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> and I said, and my knee jerk, which I think was appropriate because I didn't know what to do. I said, oh, we're going to work on core in your lower body today. <laughs> Bob, okay, let's focus on that. And meanwhile, I was petrified because I didn't even know where to start. Now, I'm not saying you're going to ever learn how to diagnose um, dysfunction, but you can start asking some basic questions. You know, are you able to lift your arm in this position? Mm-hmm. What hurts? What's your strength with internal external rotation? And you can at least do some isometric exercises and you, you'll know that you're not going to damage their shoulder further. And you also know, hey, if it's really bad, if they go to raise their arm up on the side and it drops down, they might have a rotator cuff tear, you know, and then you'll know, hey, you've got a pretty significant injury. I want you to go after our session, which will work on core and lower body, by the way, <laughs> after our session, I want you to go straight to an orthopedic surgeon and get evaluated and get some diagnostic, you know, diagnostic, diagnostic tests because right. you might have something further going on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, get further education and find yourself to a physical therapy clinic. I'm pretty sure everybody's hiring right now. There's yeah, tons so- of jobs out there. So if you can if you can get a job that gives you hands-on shadowing of a, a established professional so you can kind of see bedside manner and just the way things work and then also treatment protocols whether it's physical physical therapy whether it's um, you know a sports specialty that you want to go into work with an athletic trainer maybe um, any specialty you want to go into there's an opportunity to get out there and shadow somebody or work side by side with them. And you can't learn that stuff in books necessarily, right? At 1,000%. And in fact, when I start out of graduate school, it was interesting. We have, you know, you have trajectories and therapeutic exercise and all this didactic coursework. And you kind of fake it with your partner, your lab partner and stuff. But it's way different faking it than somebody comes in with a completely blown up knee that's, right. you know, black and blue and swollen. And they you can tell you know, they've got like sympathetic sweat coming down their brow as you're working on them. It's, it's way different. So mm-hmm. you need to be around that. Um, and some people say, well, I don't want to volunteer. My time's too valuable. Volunteer for four months, three months, six months, whatever it is, you, you will be so much smarter and so more well-equipped to help people with dysfunction and pain than you could ever imagine. And again, guess what happens when you feel that confidence? The rates go up, your retention mm-hmm. goes up, new yep. members start coming in. And that's when, you know, you can actually do what you're trying to do and make a living at it. Yeah, ag- agreed. Those are such great points. Uh, thanks for sharing those. Okay, we're going to take a quick break from our interview to do a little housekeeping. Do you have a product or service you'd like to get in front of our audience? With 15,000 members and a marketing reach of 275,000 fitness pros, 
Idea Health and Fitness is your trusted marketing partner for reaching the fitness and wellness industry. Whether you're looking to drive awareness, engagement, generate leads, or increase sales, IDEA has targeted marketing vehicles and events to get your message out to our dedicated audience of certified fitness professionals. Let's work together to meet your business goals. Contact the IDEA brand activation team at sales at ideafit.com. That's sales at ideafit.com. Now let's get back to the interview. So, uh, Pete, I've been asking all of my recent guests the following question. Imagine you're speaking to a university student or a person who is newly certified in our industry. What top two or three action steps can you offer that will put them on the path to success? Uh, Great question. Um, Well, first thing, I mean, be a problem solver. Right. That's the, every time in my career that I've kind of had a nice uptick. It's when I've found some problem in the industry and I've tried to create a solution. Now, I'm not just talking about, you know, in product design and development and, and uh, innovation. Um, but, the, you know, that is I wanted a better rotational training device than a medicine ball with the horizontal force vector. And I came up with the rip trainer. Mm-hmm. I wanted, I was sick of setting up barbell hip thrusts. I wanted a machine that you could just plate load and, and sit on there and start going. I, I developed the Nautilus glute drive. So, you know, but you can also do that in management. You know, you can create different systems and processes that are innovative, that mm-hmm. solve a problem. You can do that in your training career. If you're inefficient or ineffective, you figure out ways and solutions and new devices, new modalities to help your clients uh, but be a problem solver. That's the first thing. The second thing, and this is probably the most important, is find mentors in your life in different areas. You know, I would definitely find one in a legal, <laughs> a legal mentor, you know, that understands contract, contract negotiation. So some kind of attorney. By the way, a lot of us, we have these clients that we work with two, three times a week, and they happen to be attorneys mm-hmm. or they happen to be uh, specialists in, in digital marketing and sales or advertising. You know, a business person is a great person to have as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Buy them coffee, buy them lunch, you know, once a month and pick their brain. Um, so your mentor doesn't necessarily have to be from our industry. You should be looking outside of the box for people who can teach you other lessons that you that you need to be successful. One thousand percent outside of the industry, you know, obviously, I mean, that contradicts what I just said, go into physical therapy, volunteer, but that's not necessarily mentor. That's just hands on skill training. Mm-hmm. But you need somebody that like the most important are the are the business folks. Um, and by the way, if you can happen to find a videography, a videographer or a still photographer that you can trade out with, that that's like a cash cow. That's a win win. You know, we should all have somebody that can help direct video content and, and help us do still shots. And, you know, if you watch like the best Instagram sites, um, even these people that kind of irritate us because they've got, you know, great physiques, but they don't really have the skill set. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can tell they have professional people helping assist them with their content. And it looks really sharp. It looks really professional. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So these mentors, business, digital marketing, sales, uh, management, um, attorney, oh, by the way, a fan, financial advisor is another good one mm. or an accountant, somebody that understands money and numbers. You know, we historically, I'll speak for myself. I am not good 
at numbers and business and understanding accounting. I mean, I, you know, I wish I went to Columbia and got an undergrad, but I did not. Um, and so I've had to learn business through the school of hard knocks, which sucks because you get your, your tush handed to you sometimes. <laughs> um, and that's why you need an attorney. You need a financial advisor. You need some, you know, sales and marketing help. Yeah. So find mentors. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing, this one's easy folks. Cause I know these are hard. Some of these are harder, harder than um, they sound or harder to execute on than it is to say. Um, the third thing though, is compete. You know, we all are ex athletes and you know, what, what sports did you do coming up? Sandy, Todd Webster, were you athletic? I was, I, I was a swimmer and okay. um, I played all kinds of sports, but mainly it was swimming and um, I did triathlon later in, in life, but yeah. What was your best swim stroke? Um, I was a distance enduro athlete. So oh. I know, tell oh. me about it. Um, and this is before the days of, you know, such great uh, training knowledge and science being applied. It was just get in there and, you know, grind oh. for oh. hours and oh. hours and hours every day. So yeah, I was a, um, a, a, a 1500 freestyler an 800 oh, freestyler. Um, oh so everything 400 up to 1500 and then 400 IM individual medley. Right. Well, I can were... tell you, I can tell you love swimming and I guarantee that you have a lot of takeaways from your experience swimming that, you know, just understanding the grind and understanding the process and surrounding yourself with like-minded people and getting up early and tr training hard, um, maybe having an injury and trying to rehab that injury and, you know, get back in the pool and compete and having lost and having had some failures, but mm -hmm. then getting back up on the, on the platform and, and going again and, and maybe having some successes, you know, that's something we can all do. And it transfers very easy into business and mm -hmm. into our professional lives, that competitive spirit. So when in doubt and when you're struggling you know, think back to those days of the new U.S. National Taekwondo Championship and like everybody's watching and you've trained for years for this one moment and, and you got to go through and execute. And the same is true with business. So I would say those three things, you know, find a mentor, compete. Um, and then what was the first thing? Um, I, I lost it. it. It was pure gold, but I, I sort of <laughs> lost it too. Sorry. <clears throat> what was it? Um, so, uh, oh, to solve problems. Yeah, solve be, a, problems. be a problem solver. That's right. Be a problem right. solver. Sorry. You're, so you're be a problem inventor. solver, um, find mentors, and go out and compete. There you go. Those three things, and you're off to the races, folks. Well, shame on me for not listening better. <laughs> There's a lot of content. All right. So um, twice, folks. I know you you really delivered a lot with that question. So, you know, you've got to excuse me because point A was very far from you know, point, point <laughs> right, C. <right. laughs> um, anyway, so moving on here, let's talk training and movement for a few beats here. Um, you, mentioned, you mentioned to me that you think trainers and coaches need to be masters of psychology, especially when it comes to knowing what cues will work best with each client to unlock performance gains. So Pete, how do you approach this and what have you discovered? Yeah, so interestingly enough, I just said, I wish I was I had a master's or an undergraduate in, in business from Columbia. And that is still true, but I do have an undergraduate in psychology. And that has really helped me with building rapport, understanding human nature and, and, and psychology 
um, and mindset and trying to get the best out of my clients. And so it's interesting. There's really four, you know, kind of general personality types and, and there's different assessments, but let's just go with these four. There's that driver person, right? The type A, the person that you almost have to force them to take rest in between sets, mm-hmm. right? You've got the analytical person that every exercise you have to explain in detail the science and, and biomechanics of the move. And we all have these clients and, and we love them because they push our knowledge base. You have that person that's kind of amiable and they're very soft-spoken and they're gentle. They're like the delicate daisy flower. They need a lot of pats on the back. And you know, you've got that person. And then you've got that expressive person that's kind of loud and gregarious and vociferous. And they're you almost have to corral them, you know, like a wild, you know, wild animal. Well, you've got to coach and cue these people differently. Mm-hmm. Now, Brett Bartholomew has done some great work on this. He's written a book called Conscious Coaching, and he now does seminars all over. He's a strength and conditioning coach, kind of a young guy. Mm-hmm. And I, he's he's impressive because he's solved a problem in the industry in that we often coach everybody the same. It's like a cookie cutter sheet. And if you look at all the great coaches uh, in the history of time, you know, Phil Jackson comes to mind. He coached the Lakers and the Chicago Bulls, you know, of course, Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman and Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. And I mean, that these are personality types that are not easy to coach. And so there's like a Zen type um, philosophy to coaching. Right. Uh, by the way, I presented on this at the idea in 2018, maybe um, cue your way to success. I don't think that was recorded, but uh, maybe we need to revisit this maybe uh, if it- next I will check. And if it was, I will put it in the show notes. Okay. Cue your way to success. But anyhow, um, so there's different ways you can coach and cue. One thing I will tell you, and I don't want to get into the whole science of it because it's literally a two hour lecture, but we got to understand the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic cueing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Intrinsic cueing is what we've done for years, including myself. Brace your core, squeeze your glutes. Half of our clients don't even know what the core is. And they don't know what a brace means unless they've taken a Dr. Stuart McGill course mm-hmm. uh, and squeeze your glutes. Again, a lot of people don't even really get that analogy. So that's intrinsic cueing. Extrinsic cueing is using something in the outside world or outside environment, hopefully that your client has experience with and using that to cue them. So I'll give you an example. Um, the other day I'm training this lady who happens to be amiable, by the way, she's very soft and quiet and she's not an athlete. She's never moved fast in her life. And she now has, um, osteoporosis and she went to the doctor and she's all freaked out. She's like, I got to start strength training. My doctor tells me I need more muscle and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, I know. I've been telling you this for months now. So we, so I said, we got to do some explosive work. So um, to you know, recruit more muscle fibers, fast twitch muscle fibers, they pull on the long bones, they create more bone mineral density. So we're doing some hill sprints, right? So we do a sprint at 50%, I'm warming her up. We do a sprint at 75%, we do a sprint at 100%. And we get done with the 100% sprint. And I look at her and I say, really? That's, that's your 100%? I mean, because to me, I was like, she's moving in molasses. You know, I, I was just like pulling my hair out. And she said, yeah, I think it was my 100%. So I said, all right, let's let's do one more. And I'm racking my brain. Like, how do I coach her and cue her to move faster than she just moved? And she told me a story about a week ago. She was outside and a, a big black bear was out there. 
And it spooked her. And she said she never moved faster in her life to get inside the house. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, okay, I got something. So we get down at the bottom of the hill and she kind of gets her in sprint position. And I kind of go around behind her and I said, okay, imagine I am a large black bear. <laughs> my jowls, I'm frothing at the mouth, mouth and my teeth are protruding like sharp daggers and my claws are razor sharp. Now I want you to run up that hill. Go run like the wind. And she, all of a sudden she kind of ran up the hill and we got to the top and it was, I was even shocked. I'm like, wow, that really worked. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, now, Nancy, was that 100% faster than the previous 100%? And she said, yeah, I really ran it fast. <laughs> and, and it was a great learning moment for me, not just for that individual exercise, but for me to learn that there are certain ways you got to coach and cue people and you can get another 10, 15, 20% out of them. So use your extrinsic cueing, make sure you know who you're talking to and how to to develop that rapport and that connection so that they can execute on what you're telling them to do. Yeah, absolutely. A, a big lesson I'm drawing from your story, Pete, is that we need to listen really closely. We need to listen and take in the information, you know, whether it's a, how their week is going or what they did on vacation, like file all that information away for to use later. Perfect example is what you just gave us. Well, and, and again, people use this cliche all the time. That's why it's called personal training. But you'll see coaches that kind of have that same, um, you know, like for lack of a better, better term, like full metal jacket. They're like that drill sergeant. And you're like, bro, you're working with a 75-year-old female that's never exercised. You know, like you've got to figure out how to be a little bit of a social chameleon. I'm not saying change who you are yeah. at your core, but have some intelligence about how you talk to people and how, you know, some people come in and they've had a terrible day. And instead of saying, oh, I don't care, let's go, give them five minutes. Say, you know what, let's start with the stretch. Tell me about what's bothering you. You'd be surprised they get it off their chest and you share a little story about, you know, something that inspires them. And 10 minutes later, it's a different person and you actually have a successful workout. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, definitely listen closely and work on those emotional IQ skills. Um, so I, I know you're a big proponent of core work for, for clients. Um, in fact, you've said that investing 20 minutes per session in core work is probably the most important thing you'll ever do with clients. So if you would, um, please unfold the whys of that idea for us and talk a bit about how you weave in, in core work in interesting and, f you know, more importantly, fun ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the core is the powerhouse of your body, right? You, you know, Gray Cook talks about this in his book, Athletic Body and Balance. And he talks about energy leaks. You're only as strong as your weakest link. If at some point, as you transfer energy from low to high through the kinetic chain or from high to low, and at some point, if the energy leaks out, you're less stable, you're less strong, you're less powerful, and you're susceptible to injury. Mm -hmm. And this often happens in the core and you don't have to in your gym. I guarantee once you hear this podcast, go out to your gym and look around at people, some of which are training with other trainers and some just general gym members and watch their ability to neutralize and stabilize their spine. It is unbelievable. Um, and so, again, they're having energy leak on every single exercise, every single rep. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not accomplishing what they want to accomplish. And more importantly, 
at being a physical therapist, at some point that mechanical loading is going to come back to bite them in the tush and they're going to have spine problems and spine pathology. Mm-hmm. I've got a client that's had four spinal fusion surgeries oh, goodness. because of hypermobility. Where do you think her background was? She was a, a, an equestrian, um, you know, horse rider mm-hmm. and she was a ballerina. So she was hypermobile. And then she did a lot of like impact loading on her back and her spine. If you've ever ridden a horse, you can understand how aggressive horseback riding is. Yeah. Um, and so, boy, I wish I would have had her back in the day to help her understand what bracing the core meant, how, how to neutralize her spine, how to engage the four layers of the abdominal wall. Um, you know, I, a lot of my stuff is not rocket science. It's, it's modified curl-ups. If you want to follow Dr. Stuart McGill at BackFit Pro, he's got his, what he calls the big three, modified curl-up, which is just like a mini crunch. You're not rounding your spine. You're just firing the core, bringing the ribs down towards the pelvis. He does a side plank and he does a bird dog, and but he does them with exquisite form and you have to be precise. And that's why you have to know your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so those three, I love to do sideline uh, manual cl- resistive clam shells that for the external rotators and some of the abductors in the hip, I like to do a side leg raise and you think, well, the hip, that's not core. You better believe it's the core, right? If you have strong hips, you're going to be better, uh, have the, a better ability to stabilize your pelvis, which connects directly to your spine. So the hips are part of your core. Um, Sideline lev- leg lifts, of course, the side planks, front plank variations. And then at some point you get them up and then you can do the sexy fun stuff, the rotational chops, the, the lift patterns, the TRX rip trainer stuff. Um, but I, when I started out and I was training for the U.S. national team, I found this mentor of mine, by the way, find a mentor. And this guy actually was in strength and conditioning. Uh, and he really, he, I don't think he was smarter than me clinically, but intuitively, like he knew the body and he knew how to create a high level athlete. And he also knew the psychology and the mindset of a winner. He was a ACC All-American lacrosse player, played at Maryland, was player of the year one year in 1987. I'm dating myself. Um, but this guy was amazing. And so once a week we did bat suit training Wednesday. Every Wednesday it was bat suit training. And bat suit training was basically we're going to do an hour, hour and a half of core exercises. And that is all we do. It's you go, I go. He would pick a core exercise. We'd do three sets. I'd pick a core exercise. We'd do three sets. And we would do that until we couldn't function after about an hour and 15 minutes. And to this day, I mean, you know, if you've ever been to one of my presentations, I often do that core demo where somebody punches me or kicks me in the ribs and the, and the abdomen. And I've got that bulletproof core from bat suit training Wednesday. So you can at least do 20 minutes a day of core training uh, for your two or three sessions a week with your clients. Yeah. And I would, I would say that, you know, a lot of coaches would argue that everything we do is core. I mean, really, I mean, that it's, it's connected to everything and everything we do is core anyway. So at 100%. Now the challenge is that most people just don't, aren't in touch with their core. And it's very interesting. I'll have people do a modified curl up and I'll actually put my fingers underneath their ribs. This is something called abdominal raking. And Dr. Stuart McGill does this. And, you know, by the way, if you're at home, you can do this right now. Just relax your abdomen and kind of find your lower ribs, your floating ribs, and kind of dig your fingers underneath there and then cough aggressively. <coughs> and what you feel when you cough, your fingers squirt out of that, right? Yeah, out of yeah. that root position. Well, that's a core brace. And that's 
you know, one of the ways you stabilize your spine and help transfer energy up and down the kinetic chain. So I'll have people, you know, do uh, they're on their back. They do a modified curl up. I do the abdominal raking and they're in touch with their core. They yeah. can fire it and they can feel it. Then I'll have them stand up and I'll say, okay, now tighten your core. And I go to kind of like punch it and they can't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's really bizarre to me. So there's positionally, when you're in a position of stability on the ground, everything's easier. So now we got to figure out, all right, now I have to maybe take them into a tall kneeling posture where they're kneeling on both knees. And then I have to do some lift patterns and some, some rotational chops and, and things like that and get them to fire the core. Then I have to take them into half kneeling, one, one leg's up and one leg's down, and then eventually get them up off the ground and try to transfer that same core energy and that same volitional control of the core. So everything we do is core, but if you can't voluntarily control and contract and brace, you're just going to be flopping around and mm-hmm. then you're going to have that energy leak and the mechanical loading on your lumbar spine. So teaching that sort of some somatic mind-body connection so people know what, what a brace is or wh- where their core is or how they can control it a bit better is, is really key before you, um, you know, and, and again, I, it goes back to your point of starting with the real fundamental exercises like your bird dogs and your clamshells and and then, and then progress them to something a bit more um, sophisticated. And this is where you have to be confident and you have to, because your clients, you think your client wants to get on the floor and do, you know, clamshells and modified curl ups and side planks. I can tell you, because I just trained a client down in Woody Creek and she's like, oh, I hate this. I hate these clamshells. I said, I know. And I smiled and I made a joke about it and we did them. And then after we finished our core routine, she had a big smile on her face because she, she's like, I'm done, right, with core. And I said, yeah, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> but we did it. And it, it's you have to be very patient. You have to be methodical in your approach. And you have to also know and be honest with your clients. Say, hey, this might, you're not going to want to hear this, but this might take a six to nine months to literally dial this in mm-hmm. to the point where when you do a trap bar deadlift or you do a low to high lift pattern or you do the TRX rip trainer, you're not hinging on your lumbar spine right. and creating all that sheer stress to the discs and the facets and the lig- ligaments and all the muscles down there that's going to chew your back up. So, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, and again, maybe this goes back to the earlier conversation about, you know, education and understanding exercise at a higher level other than, you know, anybody can go out and beast somebody for an hour. Mm-hmm. Like that's the simplest you know, I can have people do hit training for 30 minutes and have the hardest workout of their life. But can I can, can I have them engage the core? Can I have them do some low level agility to prime the central nervous system? Can I have them do some balance drills so that the proprioception's keyed up and they're they're more cognitively aware? Can I do some um progressive strength training where we activate all the core muscles and get everything working as a functional integrative unit. Can we do some explosive stuff um, potentially before or after that? And then maybe can we do some hit training at the end where I've, you know, I crush them for five minutes at the end on a hit bike, but it's in a safe environment. And then by the way, at the very end, can I give them a stretch? Can I give them some percussive massage? Can I make them feel good so that we accomplished all everything that they wanted? Mm-hmm. They got some sexy stuff in. They 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 gassed themselves. They feel like they're sweating and they had a good workout. But then I got what I wanted in, which is the corrective exercise 
and the feel good stuff at the end. Yeah, you've checked all the boxes there. You've done it safely. You've you've done it progressively and um, everybody's happy, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know you're going to be safe. I mean, at the end of the day, if you if somebody hurts their back on your watch, not only do you feel terrible about that because that's yeah. not what you want, um, but they might be out for six to eight weeks. Right. And where's your income go? Exactly. So it's just kind of like, folks, you figure it out, you know, get get the core activated. And, um, and by the way, I don't know any client that doesn't want like a flat trim, you know, stomach and, and, and tush, uh, which is your main core muscles, you know. Um, everybody wants that for the beach or wedding dress or whatever it might be. So you can always sell them. You can say, we're doing clamshells. Don't say you're doing it for the external rotators and the glute medius say, oh, this is going to really make you pop in your bikini, you know, Martha yeah. or whoever it is. Right. Right. So, uh, speaking of tush, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's get into this. Um, yeah, just a few months ago, Ideal launched your course that was filmed at 2021 uh, PTI virtual. It's called Maximize Your Maximus Advanced Glutes Training, and it's become the most popular course in the store. I don't know if Come you knew on. that. But it you're, is. It's it's you're the, just saying that. It's no, it's the number one course really? in the store right now. Well, so, as <laughs> so I'm I'm curious, when you were submitting the course for selection and again when you were prepping the material, why did you think glute training would resonate as as an educational topic? And then two-part question. Second, what do you think this course presents that differs from other glute training education that you've seen out there? Um, well, glute training is really hot right now. And, and I, you know, if you go on Instagram, uh, it's kind of a cool thing because once you get past the aesthetics, so you go on Instagram and you see all these gals and guys with just beautiful physiques, you know, and they've mm -hmm. got the perfectly shaped, shaped backsides and, and that's great. But, and so on, on knee jerk, it seems very superficial and aesthetic. However, I will say that replaces stick thin runway models mm -hmm. of 20 years ago that were like literally anorexic walking down the runway with no muscle mass, no strength. They look like if they fell over, they would crumble. And, you know, and they themselves would tell you that was a very unhealthy time in their lives. You mm -hmm. know, if you talk to an ex supermodel. So now we've got these gals and, and guys too, that, that have big, strong muscles that can stabilize their pelvis and their spines. Um, and they also look great on the beach. So that glute training is very hot for that reason. When I launched my glute drive with Nautilus, um, I tell this story a lot because it goes to show you that you, you know, not everybody knows how things are going to play out um, and, and just always trust your heart and your instinct. So I was launching this product. I asked the director of innovation and design at Nautilus. By the way, he does not only just Nautilus, but Star Trek. Schwinn and Stairmaster and Nautilus. So this is the top guy mm -hmm. really in the world on product design and innovation. And they took on this project and they said, yeah, this looks kind of cool. Maybe we'll license it from you. And I said, Jeff, how many units do you think we'll sell in the first year? And he said, well, it's a new piece of commercial strength, you know, maybe a couple hundred units. And of course, in my head, I'm like doing the royalties, you know, like do, 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 do. And I said, a couple hundred, that's it. You know, this isn't even worth my time of day. Like, and I was so dejected and, and downtrodden. And then I thought to myself, you know, I, I don't, he's not right. 
we're going to do more than 200. Well, we did like 3000 <laughs> in the wow. first year, year and a half, you know, there's a little bit of a slow rollout, but you know, that was far exceeded anybody's expectation. And it became the number one um, piece of commercial strength at Nautilus. And they're, you know, lat pull downs, bench press, you know, selectorized bench press, cable crossover machines, SVA platforms. It's their number one selling piece of commercial strength over the last couple of years. So I knew glutes were hot. And so that's one of the reasons I came to you guys and said, hey, we should do something on glute training. As far as what separates my course, um, aside from my unbelievable energy and passion about glute training, <laughs> is um, that I go really into functional anatomy and kinesiology, biomechanics of the glutes. And really, if you don't understand that, it's going to be hard to program and it's going to be hard to understand what's happening uh, you know, with your clients and their, their exercises. Um, I cover some key concepts that I think are really important. Hip and spine disassociation, directional load vectors, uh, peak activation, wh where the glutes activate the most uh, in a squat relative to a lunge, relative to a hip thrust. By the way, if you don't know these last three things I mentioned, you might want to take the course, maximize your maximus. That's my soft sell. Um, and then, of course, you get the magnificent seven, the seven best glute training exercises known to mm. mankind. And I go through these in detail with coaching and cueing uh, tips for each exercise. So it's just a fun course. It's you learn some stuff. You certainly learn some physical therapy concepts regarding hip and spine and and, you know, how to neutralize everything and the importance of core activation. And then you layer in just some really cool glute training exercises. Okay, awesome. Um, and folks, I'm going to put that link in the show notes as well. So Let's go. Um, look, look for it there. Um, so Pete, the last training topic I wanted to touch on with you is recovery. Um, mm. Even when we look back to just a few years ago, the attention on this realm of training has, it seems to have risen exponentially. Um, why do you think that is? And how are you guiding your clients with recovery? Recovery is where all your gains happen. I mean, mm -hmm. you can slice it any way you want, but you talk to any physiologist or biomechanist, uh, a strength conditioning specialist that understands strength training adaptations. It happens, you know, when you sleep, that's, and, and when you're and resting, and that's why sleep has become so important. You know, people geek out on their Garmin or their Fitbit or whatever watch they have, and it tells your sleep uh, patterns and how many cycles of REM you completed. And by the way, can I mention when you sleep good, like I'm such a geek, a snob on sleep that I've now have these silicone. You might know these they're silicone. They're swimming earplugs. Yeah. Like you can get those orange ones that those are junk. The, the foam, you got to get the silicone ones that literally compress into your ear canal yep. and they, they would block out water if you're in the pool. And it's like the cone of silence. Mm -hmm. I put those on and then. I don't care if a door closes or a dog barks down the street or I am not waking up and the, the you're going to laugh at me, but the days that I sleep nine hours, I feel like I could run through a brick wall, you know, and if I sleep six and a half, seven hours, I just, I don't, my cognitive functions off mm -hmm. um, my, you know, my physical, my numbers in the gym are terrible. And I just, I'm just hating it. So anyhow, sleep recovery is very important. Um, and you can tell this by what gyms are doing. They're adapting to this trend, which I think is here to stay. And a lot of gyms now have a recovery room dedicated to, you know, compression boots, um, fascial stretching, 
percussive massage tools, mm-hmm. uh, foam rolling, you know, all this stuff that helps you with, with recovery, because that is where everything happens. That's where your strength gains occur. And that's where your body recovers from the prior stress and strain that you put on it. Yeah. So you lock in all of the benefits of your training during sleep, during massage, you just, you lock that stuff in, right? Yeah. And by the way, this is the premise of heart rate variability. So if you're people that don't know heart rate variability, it's pretty trending it right now. And it takes into consideration your EKG cycles and how your heart functions, but there's technology that can tell if your heart is stressed or in a good spot. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of factors. Sleep is a huge factor. Um, uh, stress hormones, cortisol, if you've had a fight with your spouse, or if you lost your job, or if you're moving, or you had a death in the family, your cortisol just goes up and that's going to affect your, your heart rate variability, uh, your nutrition and diet. If you've been drinking lots of alcohol, all these things go into it. And there's kind of a score and they've made it very bulletproof. So, you know, you can often look at your phone and it says like green, that means like, go get them. You know, this is a day to train hard and, you know, aim for the, you know, swing for the fences, or it might be yellow, which is like, Hey, you know, check, chill out a little bit, proceed Mm -hmm. with caution, still work out, but don't go at your max levels. You're not going to have personal best today. And then there's like a red zone, which is like, man, you're, you're not recovered. You're, overworked, undersleeped, under, you know, you're lacking nutri- proper nutrition. And this is a day where, hey, maybe you do a light spin on the bike for five or 10 minutes, and then you just stretch for another five or 10 minutes and call it a day. And so um, this isn't just me sending my opinion out to the, the world. This is you know, science. exercise science that's yeah. saying, hey, we are not recovering properly. And if you if you want to go on, like Stanford has sleep, uh, they're experts in sleep studies. And they found uh, like a, it's some astronomical that we had a, a doctor from Stanford come lecture at the Aspen Brain Lab a couple of years ago. And he talked about these sleep studies where they would deprive, they'd have people, a control group that got eight hours of sleep and they would de- deprive people by two hours of sleep. So they uh-huh. get six hours of sleep and they could measure REM cycles and they, you know, they had it all controlled. And then they did just a simple cognitive functional uh, test for like a 10 minute test. And the people that got six hours of sleep, they performed something, some astronomical figure, like 35% poorer on this cognitive function test than the eight hours of sleep. And to me, that was like, that made my ears stand up. I was like, wow, it's not just that you feel kind of slow and sluggish, but cognitively, you're not functioning well. You are slow and sluggish. You (laughs) you don't just feel that way. You are that way. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So everybody, HRV training, that is some really cool science to study. I think uh, you gave me, just gave me an idea for doing a whole podcast on Hmm. recovery um, modalities. I think that would be fascinating. But and by the way, um, do you know how the Soviets used to do heart rate variability training and no. how prepared you were for to train at a certain level? They would do something called a hand grip uh, dynamometer. Okay. So you would grab it and physical therapists use all this all the time to measure upper body strength. It's just a gauge. You grab it and you, you grip it as hard as you can. And there's a readout, you know, on it, either L- an LED or a dial. And that's your grip strength. Um, but that changes day to day. And mm-hmm. you know how it changes. It changes based on your level of recovery. Mm-hmm. So if your central nervous system is stressed and taxed and you got cortisol flowing through your body and you go to pull that thing, the, the dial, it'll show you. It'll be like, right. 
And so the Soviets could, before they would have high-level rowing uh, workouts, they would test their guys and they said, oh, you're, I'm shutting you down today. You're not rowing because I know you're just going to get worse and worse if you train already depressed in this um, lack of recovered state. So you can use that. And by the way, you can get a hand grip dynamometer on, on Amazon for probably 35, 40 bucks. So yeah. it's kind of a cool way to, as you're doing an intake, you, you test their upper body strength. And you can also use it as a cheap way to test heart rate variability. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. That's a fascinating tidbit I'm going to take with me and I'm going to go read more about it. Okay. (laughs) Um, So before we sign off, Pete, incredibly, we've come to the end of our time together. Can you please tell people first how they can connect with you either through social media, your website, or any other means you have out there? And then if you would please leave us all with a closing thought or, you know, something you want to say to inspire and uplift our our listeners, our industry colleagues, um, the floor is all yours. Absolutely. So please connect on Instagram. I'm at Pete Holman one is the number one H O L M A N, um, Instagram, Twitter, Pete Holman one. And then I'm on Facebook at Pete Holman. I've got a couple accounts and one is a personal account. That's kind of maxed out. I apologize. Um, but the other account is just like a professional account. So, um, find me on Facebook I'm also at ph1performance.com. So that's my website, excuse me, it's ph1performance.com. And as far as something inspirational, um, (laughs) well, this is something I don't share very frequently, but in middle school, I was bullied. And most people look at me today and they're like, what, 6'2", 200 pounds, you know, Taekwondo. No, I was, I was very late developing in middle school and kind of scrawny and introverted and lacked self-confidence. And man, did I get bullied. And one time in particular, uh, I'll never forget at the end of baseball practice, these guys kind of ganged up on me and they pushed me into a locker and locked a locker. And then I like everybody left. I couldn't believe nobody let me out of the locker. Mm. And so an hour later, the janitor comes in to do his sweeps. And I was so mortified and like humiliated that I didn't even want to be found, you know, but I kind of like, you know, made a peep and the janitor opened the door and let me out and he was super cool guy. And he kind of, you know, he, he calmed me down, but it was interesting. It was a transition in my life because after that day, I mean, I drew a line in the sand Mm -hmm. and I said, never again in my life will somebody humiliate me somebody embarrass me, somebody control me physically, mentally, spiritually, like I am the captain of my own ship and I refuse to be treated like this. And it was more of a psychological mantra Mm -hmm. that like, even if I didn't feel confident, I started to walk with more confidence. Like I'm not going to be susceptible to this stuff anymore. And the point is very valid and important because although those scars still follow me, and they're still part of me. And I know you guys are all have your own trauma, traumatic experiences. But back to the earlier point of my session here, um, I talked about trauma and adversity, and that's where you grow and you develop and you progress and you evolve. So that trauma for me was good. It led me to become uh, a U.S. National Taekwondo champion. It, it drove me to try to be the best physical therapist and, and you know get into a graduate program. It drove me to want to become an entrepreneur and to continue to compete. And and for so what I'm telling you right now is that I don't care what your past 
what your past experience was, trauma, adversity, um, sorrow. I don't care what, who you were in the past. I don't even care who you were last week. Who are you today? And more importantly, who are you gonna to be tomorrow? You know, you have the ability to be the captain of your own ship, write your own book. So the next chapter is up to you, my friends. Keep the dream alive. And until next time, get after it, everybody. Oh, Pete Holman, you are, you're a treasure. Thank you for sharing not just that, but everything that you did today. I, I always, it's always so fun and enlightening talking to you. And I, um, I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much. Sandy Todd Webster. Love you. Love um, you. Love you the time too. And the platform and, <laughs> and really folks, um, please come find me at idea next year. I, I hope you guys are going to have me. I haven't heard yet if I'm going to be presenting, but I'm, I'm praying, please have me back. <laughs> if not, I'll come as a uh, participant and I'll go to see the best education on the face of the earth. Yeah. Either way, we'll see you there, Pete. Thanks. Thanks a bunch. Love you. Bye. Andy. Ciao. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I loved interviewing Pete Holman. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, you can find the Idea Fit Pro Show at Apple Podcasts and on all major podcasting platforms. We'd be honored if you took a minute to give us a rating, and we'd be so grateful if you could share the show link and news about the podcast on your social feeds. Meantime, we'll keep working hard to bring you more great material like this. To learn more about Pete Holman or to connect with him, please check today's show notes to find the links. This is Sandy Webster signing off. Until next time, stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic. Don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to support you in this critical purpose. Thanks for all you do to make the world a healthier, happier place. The Idea Fit Pro Show is part of the Outside Inc. podcasting network. Many thanks to our executive producer, Jordan Leeds, and our engineer and editor, Mike Hilding. Copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Reproduction without permission is strictly prohibited.